All right. Happy April, Internet, and welcome to the Meteor Station Virtual Reality Podcast. I don't know about the rest of you out there, but we had a pretty crazy March, so moving into April is pretty welcome in my book. Today we're going to be talking about some of the failings of VR, VR film festivals, and more specifically, VR festivals, VR gaming, and as always, some VR news. As always, I'm joined by my constant co-host, Gruen. How are you today, Gruen? I am doing just fine. Yeah, a little tired. Yeah, you had quite a trek. Yeah, I drove, basically I drove 21 hours yesterday. It was only supposed to be 19 and a half, but thanks to lots of road construction, it was 21 hours. Glad to get it out of the way. I, I prefer to just drive in one one long day rather than two or three long days. Yeah, and I heard that there is driving 21 hours with road construction simulator coming out for VR as well. So you can do it again virtually. Yeah, I think I'll wait about a month before I do it again. <laughs> Sounds good. Yep. We've been yeah. busy beavers. We've been on set for most of what even month was that? March. Time's gone. I don't know what time means anymore. But yeah, for most of March, we're... It's marching on. Oh, words. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're busting it all up March. I moved. We did a bunch of on-set filming for stuff we can't really talk about. What else? What else happened in March? Um, that's a good question. What else did... I don't know. We, we released a few things. We released a little uh, teaser of our over-our-heads over uh, show. That's true. Yeah, and for those unaware, that is on our Patreon. So feel free to check that out. Should that be something interesting to you? That the it's like a it's still a home renovation show, but it's got a very unique twist where it's the three figure fix up. It's just as cheap as humanly possible, under a week to do it, and just flipping a house as much as possible and there's some pretty pretty crazy stuff in there loose hot wires just sticking out of the walls and i don't know it's yeah but nutty. it's it's not as sterile as most of those kind of things we we have so much fun doing those fix-ups which is crazy it's like we are over our heads <laughs> for sure but we're still having fun with it which is the best part that's true and i think the best part is you breaking a ladder while you were on it that was the best part but I guess fun can be the second best part. Oh, I thought it was when you fell off the roof. I thought that was the best part. <laughs> you know, I was too concussed. I didn't remember that. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I forgot. Yeah, so for other news in our world, Starloaf was in the My Sci-Fi Film Fest, which is the Miami International Science Fiction Film Festival, and it won. So it's two for two for not only getting in, but winning in film festivals. So it got the Virtual Reality Award from them, which I thought was hilarious because it didn't include the word best, but considering that it won an award... It's got to be the best at something. So <laughs> there were 120 films in that festival, and I obviously didn't get to watch all 120. I was moving, and I have a nine-month-old, so a little preoccupied. But the ones I did get to watch were really good, so feeling great about winning an award when the other stuff I saw was really solid. The stuff I was seeing was not VR. I'm not sure how much VR stuff was in there, but, yeah, it still feels like quite an accomplishment and it's nice to have all those awards so yeah i think it's it's a really good little film i like it and i didn't get to see any of them because i forget what i was doing but i was busy and i think it's great that you were able to be there and be like on some of the panels too that sounds like fun yeah yeah so i was actually a keynote speaker for one of them which was bonkers i did not expect that but i guess they would really like having the creators involved in the festival which yeah so this was kind of an interesting thing to me because i'm sure these guys are used to people the creators just they're there in person and so you call them over to a panel and have them sit down and do the panel and they're like yeah cool i'm here but for me, it was like, all right, it's starting at 9, and it goes to 11, ready to go. And I'm just like, I'm so tired, I need sleep. Uh, so just a little bit of, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about COVID and festivals and stuff in a bit. But yeah, it was just kind of an interesting twist on things because it was just like, they're just not used to the current world where I don't really want to stay up till, and it would always start late. So start at 10 p.m., go to midnight, and I'm used to being unconscious at 10 because of sleep deprivation. So just a different world, but yeah, it was definitely fun. And 
Honestly, their setup was really not bad. I've seen some dud setups for COVID, and there were definitely a lot of tech issues and stuff, but they did pretty well, and I will talk about some of the stuff they did that was pretty good later when we talk about festivals in general. But Yeah, yeah. that's a good teaser for film festivals later. Yeah, <laughs> true. Is there anything else we should talk about from news on our side before we new- move on to news on the VR front in general? No, I, I think the biggest thing was just how much time we spent at a secret location doing secret filming of secret projects <laughs> that we can't talk about. I think that was the big thing we did. That is quite true. And I'm exhausted from that secret filming, but yeah, I think at some point teasing that <laughs> you don't get to know anything, audience. So we should probably yes. move on. Um, <laughs> you want to kick off news then? Yeah. So in the news, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I was seeing. Like, you know, I think the big thing was that I know you saw too was Microsoft's big contract with the Army, a twenty-two billion dollar Hololens deal. Right. Very exciting. Yeah, that's pretty big. It's just really, really cool because obviously it's not as exciting that it's military, but since military is big money, that's not a small injection into the industry. $22 billion. I know it's Microsoft, but that's for a HoloLens 2 project specifically. And so it's that's just huge. That's really great for anyone that's into VR. I, I'm not sure what exactly the aftermath will look like for us in particular as people that aren't in the Army, but or I guess it's just military, but... For people that aren't in the military, but there's got to be something higher end devices, maybe just improvement in the tech. It's got to be yeah, good for us. I think I think the future is here. It is the the thing that we've been seeing in movies for so long, like the futuristic deal where you're in the airport and you are walking through unexpectedly you're walking past all these guards that have the hollow lens on and suddenly they open fire on the grandma that's walking next to you and it turns out she's not a grandma she's some kind of a, a robot that was out to destroy yeah that is pretty 200 iq to use grandmas you would never suspect but then no. you realize that you were actually in your hollow lens too and you're playing evil grandma simulator and right. It's <laughs> it all comes back around. That's right. But yeah, there is a bunch of good VR game news coming out. I know. Yeah, and go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go for it. The the other thing, other than games, because let's hold off on games for a second. Just the uh, Roblox went uh, went public, and I don't really understand what it is, but I know they have a VR aspect to it, right? Yeah, my understanding of it is it's just a game platform, so like. You know, Steam or Epic or whatever. It's got like a library of games and you can play them and some of them are VR. That's my understanding of it. I don't really know the ins and outs of it. So that's pretty huge. And then uh, Snapchat came out with their, or they're coming out with their third generation of their glasses, which are going to be AR glasses. And I didn't even realize they had two generations already. Did you? No, that's hilarious. (laughs) For being how big they are, I'm surprised I haven't heard. How have they not gotten more press? Advertising fail. Yeah, basically. Because we're in the industry. And I mean, I just send stupid pictures to my friends with Snapchat, but it's installed. They had every opportunity. But anyway, yeah, tell me more about this third generation console. Well, so they're just glasses. And in the past, the first two generations, you could record things with your glasses and then send it out. But you couldn't see anything happening on your glasses. So I believe, don't quote me on this to you, Google it. But in the third generation, I think you can send what you're looking at, but you can also see things. That's my understanding. Send what you're looking at, but you can see things. Yeah. So, you know, like on Snapchat, you're taking a picture with your phone. Well, you don't have to do that. If you're wearing the glasses, you can just send whatever it is you're looking at without using your phone. Yeah. Interesting. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. To be entertaining. I guess we'll have to follow up on it now that we know it exists and see what it looks like. Yeah. So tell me what games are in the news. Uh, well, so one that stood out to me was uh, called Carly and the Reaper Man, which looks a lot like VR Giants to me. We played that demo 
and it's a lot of fun and that was just like a super short demo without all the fancy art they're working on and whatnot and carly and the reaper man looks really similar so the gameplay of what seems like both of them is there's a small human and a giant and together you have to solve puzzles so you've got very different roles in these puzzles but it could be wrong i haven't played carly and the reaper man it comes out april 15th so i'm interested mm-hmm. yeah i saw another game that is coming out it's called the break-in did you see that no what's that one the break-in is you can get together with your friends and simulate stealing from places like you can break into an art gallery and still famous art or into you know some museum of some kind you break the glass and you are using flashlights to get in and it it to me i can see the next headline which is group of kids busted after stealing but they blame it all on this vr game called the break-in yeah, I was going to say, this sounds like a thing you can do in real life. I don't know why they're simulating it. You could just get some art. Well, it's actually, <laughs> no. yeah, no, this is better. It might cut down on crime because if you're tempted to do it, maybe you just do it in VR rather than in real life. And then, yeah. Yeah. Or it's like flight simulator where at a certain point it's like, maybe it could fly a plane. Maybe it could steal right. this Monet. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> well... If they don't get caught, then the VR industry won't get in trouble, you know? Yeah. The population one, they're doing these private rooms, which is, you know, rather than everybody in the world playing against each other, you can get 17 of your friends and play in a private room. And they're only doing it for a limited time. They must be testing to see if people like it. I can't imagine people are not going to like that. I don't know why it took this long to get that on there. But anyway. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I would definitely be open to try it. Now I was just going to talk about, so I actually saw this one on Reddit. Uh, someone made a Fallout VR mod to overhaul the game in general. And I already liked Fallout 4 in VR. I thought it was awesome. It was my first time getting to play Fallout 4 at all because I'm behind the times, I guess. But it's so fun in VR. And I have this tendency to just wander off in sandbox games and just like goes so far off the path that I just have nothing to do. And so I <laughs> get bored even though I like the game. So I need to get back in it and figure out <laughs> what to do. But I think I need to get this mod installed and see like, because for Skyrim I am similar, but I installed mods for it and it looks incredible. It's so great. And so with Fallout 4 already being good in my book, I, I just can't wait to see what it looks like. Yeah, I'm waiting for Fallout 12 personally well they go out of order so fallout 76 is there so maybe 12 is the next <laughs> i think it is yeah i knew that <laughs> uh you're yeah. psychic so sam and max is coming out the uh the game that you played all through your formative years and that's the uh vr version of sam and max i don't know much about it but the cool thing is teaser that we do have somebody from Sam and Max on the line that is going to be joining us on the podcast. And they wanted to wait until it comes out, but they wanted to wait until it was closer to release so that they could talk about it and give some kind of insight into it here with us. Definitely looking forward to that. And yeah, that's so that's June for the quest, but then PSVR support is until early 2022, which makes me sad because that's, I assume when PC would be available for Cinemax VR, which makes me sad because I want to go play that till I'm done. So I'm going to beat it in a day as soon as it comes out. But, you know, maybe I'll just go back and play all the old Sam and Maxes because after a few years, you forget all the jokes and puzzles. So why not? Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Give us your best Sam and Max voice imitation. Oh, boy. Come on, Max. Let's not eat that crocodile. No, Sam, that's... I'm going to eat it. <laughs> that's good. I'm going to shoot it in the face with a rocket launcher. Yes. There's... There are people that will recognize those voices, yeah. That's very good. Uh, those aren't <laughs> particularly close. <laughs> this is why I, they didn't hire me as a voice actor. And now they know that uh, if I send in an application, they should just not accept. But, <laughs> but 
We all have our gifts. They, they, who knows? Maybe they're working on something weird that they need somebody that does bad voice imitation of Sam and Max. Ooh, that would be spicy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this does explain some things about me that I did, in fact, play Sam and Max hit the road through, as you say, the formative years. And that's probably why I turned out as bizarre as I did, because there are some goofy dudes. I guess, other than that, maybe we should. Move on to the failings of VR. Boom, boom, boom. And honestly, a lot of this is like the failings are happening around VR. I don't see a lot of these as the fault of VR. But one that does come to mind that's, you know, VR saying of VR, it's like, who is VR? It's, you know, it's a community and the makers of the headsets and the makers of the games. It's just pretty broad. So uh, I guess it's just failings across any of these given things. But one of them that stood out to me is the fact that the ideal headset doesn't exist, which seems kind of crazy given how many people are trying. And it's not like I'm saying the perfect headset doesn't exist because, I mean, also true, but that's fine. I don't require perfection. It's not the year 3000 or something. I'm just surprised, like, you know, Facebook's got this crazy good price point, but it's Facebook. It's so invasive. You have to have a Facebook account soon to use it. You have to just, like, tell them your mother's maiden name to log in. It's just not ideal. And mm-hmm. I'm sure, honestly, part of their really good price point, I would not be surprised at all if part of the price point is because they sell your data to make up for the price cut on it. But other headsets like the G2 looked so promising and I've just seen a slew of complaints. I love the Vive, but at this point it's outdated. I, I'm still not going to replace it until... I see something worth replacing it with, but, you know, just over time you see these complaints that are really valid and you see these things that are really positive and those things aren't integrated into all the headsets. And I'm not talking about like 8K for each eye kind of positive because that is kind of a big thing, but like, you know, this headset's really comfortable and this one's got a good price point and this one, uh, the controllers are nice and it's just like... Yeah, it's it's kind of a process because you have to get through these different generations of it to get to the one that everyone goes, ooh, this is the best and then they replace that with something even better because if you look at like cell phones and you think about the BlackBerry, when the BlackBerry was out, people were like, ooh, this is the best ever. And now, who's even heard of the BlackBerry that's that's listening to this right now? So, but yeah, you know, I've I've got the Rift S and I like it, but I'd rather not have cords attached to the computer. And maybe that'll be the next yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for yeah, that kind of thing, like a lot of them have Wi-Fi add-on things that they can add to it later. Which I mean, if, if I have to pay extra to make it wireless, I'm fine with that. And I guess. I should clarify that I'm talking about specifically PC VR headsets that, because that's just near and dear to me because that's what I like to use. But then the other thing that to me would make for an ideal headset is some of the newer generation ones have it such that you don't need the sensors, the extra sensors to set up. It's just all in your headset. That I think is kind of a must-have technology at this point. It's so much better. So, yeah. Yeah, well, and on the Rift, I'll say that the the problem with these headsets, you know, they are inexpensive. It's the least expensive way to get into this, and it's also built that way. So my original one, the Rift, it broke, and they said, oh, you must have been picking it up by the head strap, and it's not built to do that, so we're not going to help you. And I was like, well, how else would you pick it up, like, You know, you can pick it up in a number of ways, but you should be able to pick it up by the strap. But anyway, so then I got the Rift S. So I bought the extended warranty this time. And that was a good thing. So the one of the controllers, the plastic broke and it was okay, but the tracking was a little off and, you know, you constantly are drifting. So I got that exchanged. And so if you do buy a Rift S or whatever you buy, if you're able to get an extended warranty, 
I think that's pretty smart because I've got two years or whatever. And if something, anything breaks, I can take it back and get whatever comes out. Like in this case, it had gone down in price. So I got the, the difference in price back. Yeah, and that is good, but yeah, it definitely shouldn't be the case that you have to buy the warranty because otherwise you'll get screwed if anything happens to your headset. Like that's definitely a common complaint I've seen among some headsets is just yeah breaks easily and or bad support if something does break that kind of stuff. But on a, so. on a positive note, Apple is coming out with their headset, which we don't know exactly what that is, but hopefully they're gonna get all the boxes checked and get it perfect and it's going to be the perfect price and everyone's going to be super happy and then everyone will have to compete with that. Yeah, that's true. Apple with their $30,000 <laughs> headset that yeah. you have to buy the extra adapter to be able to plug it into your computer. I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, and it runs out of battery. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I, it, I am glad they're getting in the game. I think it's good, but... yeah. I won't be buying it, but I'm glad that other people will because yeah. it is always good to have more players in the game. It's good for everybody. So Exactly. Yeah. So what else do you have for this negative Nancy topic? Be Nancy. Well, you know, there's, there's obviously things like, uh, you know, the nausea aspect. That That's a problem for a lot of people with VR and they're, people are always trying to fix that. Hopefully we can get beyond that, but then that leads to there's there's conflicts, and this is just kind of a funny side note. Like this is kind of silly, but I do like playing paintball in Rec Room occasionally, and what? so you have this constant battle between people that walk or run and people that teleport. And teleport mm. definitely has an advantage because if you think about it like if you're walking or running to the grocery store line and somebody teleports in front of you <laughs> you'd be like hey wait a minute and then the teleporter's <laughs> argument is always well you can teleport if you want and well, so which is true but it's kind of a i don't know it it and it does take some skill to teleport properly but uh anyway there's just that constant battle but the nausea thing is real the graphics, you know, people do complain about the graphics, which I think are good. But if you're used to like intense graphics on your PC for normal PC games, then it probably is a letdown. Uh, but that's it's getting better every every generation, right? Yeah. And for first the nausea topic, I'll try to go in order for commentary. But the nausea topic, I actually see it as obviously it's not a good thing. No one wants to get nauseous, but the fact that it actually helps with motion sickness, which is an issue for me, so this is another thing that's very, very, very familiar with me, uh, but I get motion sick, and so I've definitely gotten motion sick plenty in VR, and the more I play and get used to it, the better I am with motion sickness in general. So it's actually just like getting in, playing some stuff for a while till I feel not completely incapacitated for the day, but feel not ideal. I'm curing my motion sickness, but I will say I, I am looking forward to when they resolve that. I've seen a lot of really good ideas and approaches to fixing it, obviously just reducing the amount of delay as much as humanly possible is one of the first go-tos that they're doing pretty darn well on, but there are a lot of more creative things they're doing, and yeah, I think it's moving in a good direction on that. But for paintball teleporting... I, I So I see your point with the teleporting, and that would be hilarious in a grocery store, but you can see where they're teleporting to, and you're limited on how often you can teleport, whereas people that move with the smooth motion always get to move. So you, the amount of dodging you can do, you can dodge big time sometimes, but you can't dodge constantly. So it's, I see it as a big old trade-off right there. And then for graphics, agree, getting better. I, yeah. And I'm happy with the graphics too. So, Yeah. Well, so another thing is a lot of news sources love to talk about the failure of VR. And I don't think it's really a failure. I think there are things that are tried and then, you know, you kind of bump against the, the, the walls or the gutters and you're trying, to, you're trying to get a strike. But sometimes you go in the gutter. 
And so there's a lot of things that are going to come out. Even now, there's things in the future that are going to come out and they're going to go away. And then other things are going to come out and go away. But when you look at the things that are shutting down, like Mm -hmm. Google Poly, that's one thing I'm going to miss. I don't know about you, Um, but, you know, things that are shutting down, like, did you know Intel had a 10,000 square foot uh, motion capture facility that they shut down? No. Yeah, they were shooting music videos. They did a a Grease VR video. They did concerts. I mean, 10,000 square feet, that's like three good sized houses of open space where they could have, you know, that kind of motion capture for multiple people. And yeah, that's pretty crazy. I guess that's kind of a failure that we didn't even know was out there. But but anyway, yeah, they shut that right. down at the end of the year. Yeah, and those both aren't directly VR, but I know what you're saying. And for the record, I don't think either of us think VR itself is a failure. But yeah, news sources definitely like to try to be spicy and clickbait us with those kind of taglines. VR has failed. It's like, okay, then why am I playing it currently? Like, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I definitely get what you're saying. And that was one of the other things that came to mind for me, too, is the groups that have popped up and gone away that are more directly VR, which I guess none are coming to mind at this exact moment, but there have been a good amount. Like a, a smaller one that's jumping to mind was. A maze went from nicer and YouTube type VR content to mm-hmm. just music videos, and then didn't they stop that too, or are they still doing that? Uh, either way, it's just like people keep cutting back on what they're doing. I know mm-hmm. that different hardware groups have gone too hard. Was that there was some really high end hardware one that just went way too hard? And so I think what a lot of these groups are doing is they're just like really front loading money. Like, yeah, we got to get in here before beer just goes to the moon, as they say now. Got to get them bananas. <laughs> Basically, I think they're just overestimating how quickly the market's growing. And some of them, I'm sure, also mismanaged their money. But I think people just think that. VR is just going to go crazy, or at least did previously. But it's just been the slow and steady growth with occasional spikes with stuff like Half-Life Alex, And I think that's just what you have to plan for. Eventually, I could see a bigger adoption. But as it is, it's growing. Just know your market, because I, I feel like people just don't. There is money to be made here. People are succeeding. There's a lot of good stuff happening, like over on the, the Quest store. I've heard about a lot of people making money. Of course, there are the pop-off games like Beat Saber. If you are dumping billions of dollars in into a small industry and then like making a crazy high-end product that only a small percentage of people are going to want... You might be in trouble. Yeah. 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 It's, I think they were, Beat Saber was like the first game to break the top 100 selling games, which is good. But, and VR is growing and it is growing fast. And and then, you know, people like us get excited about that. But if you look at Steam, the big news at Steam was that even though I think the increase over the pandemic year was 110% and they expect that to continue, it's still the VR users on Steam only represent 23 or 2.4% of all their users, which is mm-hmm. pretty small, but but it's a yeah. niche. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And but in other things that have shut down, the sandbox VR, you know about that. They they have these facilities. They had a lot of big name Hollywood people that invested in them and and so they started opening all these centers where you could go and play VR with your friends at a really high end facility. And they are back. They they did file bankruptcy last year because nobody could go to these things. And that was unfortunate. But they are back. I think they pulled out of bankruptcy. So they're they're coming back. But people like the void that was at the Disney Resort and places like that, they're gone. And spaces. I don't know if you knew about them, but they had a Terminator VR uh, deal that experience that you could do at movie theaters, at certain mm-hmm. movie theaters, and they're gone. And yeah. uh, and then, you know, so things like that shut down. IMAX had seven right, VR right. arcades that shut down. Yeah, so that in one way, it's like it kind of 
Makes sense. And the ones that really went in on like the individual groups that had the VR arcade in the mall or whatever during the pandemic, yeah, they're going to struggle. But like the people behind the games in the arcades and stuff, like that's one where you can't be Blockbuster. You got to be Netflix where you're going, okay, well, maybe since no one can come to these mall booths, maybe I should adapt it so people can play this in their living room if they have a headset or whatever and make some money there because yeah. Yeah, it's just got to adapt. But yeah, that I, it is kind of interesting because you think of VR and you go, yeah, that's going to be something that's going to do really well in a pandemic. But then you're totally right. There are things that won't. <laughs> There's still plenty of in-person stuff for it. Absolutely yeah. true. But I think people are still learning. And that's the whole thing is that like the, the people that are getting into VR... And the companies that are getting into VR, it's just kind of a process. And maybe this isn't going to be ever something like a TV that everybody has or their cell phones that 98% of people have. Maybe VR is going to be 23% of all people are going to have and enjoy. And that's okay. Yeah. And I mean, even 23 could potentially be a lot. Like That'd be huge. Yeah, that'd be like, I I mean, I don't even know that there ever will be that many unless it's just like so, so accessible that it's like, I mean, I have seen it where um, back when the, uh, what's the one that Samsung pushed for a bit, the uh, Gear VR, I have seen mm-hmm. it where they released their Gear VRs along with their phones, just like get a phone, get a free Gear VR. And so if it's like that, I could see that kind of level of mass adoption down the line if they start getting cheap again but yeah i'm comfortable being a niche not everything needs to go absolutely nutty but i yeah i do see well mm-hmm. and just think about it, like if apple's vr headset is actually the iphone 13 and so you strap this thing on and that's your iphone and your vr headset then <laughs> then you're going to be talking about 62 percent of people all are going to have it <laughs> That would be hilarious. Just knowing <laughs> everyone's got this headset on their face, just walking through the mall like, uh-oh, yeah. blue screen walked into a wall. Uh, but <laughs> unlucky. Yeah. yeah, I guess one of the minor notes I had on the top of my brain, which again, not the failure on the side of VR, but more like surrounding VR in general. It's like a evil Zorb bubble or something. I don't know. Weird analogy. Anyway, (laughs) uh, just the perception of VR just isn't there at all because you tell people at school and they're like, "Uh uh-huh, nerd. I've seen videos of you guys dancing in your living rooms like psychos. And that's true. We do that. But uh, you have to draw people in VR. You have to put them in a headset for them to get it. And that is fair. It's just, I guess the connotation is just a little bit unfortunate where it it actually takes experiencing it to get it whereas like i I just don't know where the communication disconnect is on like no it's really cool Uh uh-huh sure it is (laughs) yeah that's why things like the the sandbox vr where you can go and play with your friends and then so that may be enough for you or you may go oh maybe we should get this for the house and play it at the house now because we really enjoyed that time. Who knows? Yeah. The last negative thing on the top of my mind was that it kind of goes with that thing we were saying earlier with the niche of a niche where it's like people making those super high-end, crazy expensive headsets and having just not enough people to buy them. If you get 100 sales at $5,000, mm. not exactly going to recoup your spending. And just... The big things like the omnidirectional treadmill, which I'm still looking forward to and glad people are working on because being able to move around more naturally is going to be awesome. But things like that, the just really dedicated, uh, like I know some people already have those big gaming cockpit things set up in general and others are going to be willing to do those crazy intense haptic setups and whatnot. But for the most part, this is like, like you said, if it's 2% of people uh, on Steam with VR and then of that 2%, you know, 2% are willing to get these massive things to drop in their living rooms. It's just like the big things that are getting made are just too specialized where like some of the things I've seen instead of omnidirectional treadmill 
for instance, are like these fancy shoes where you step forward and it moves you backward. And as is, I see that as a really cool way to face plant. But sometime down the line, yeah. if, if it's something you can just bring out and have it be a really manageable thing you can just pull out and walk around in VR and feel normal. That's the kind of stuff. And if it's smaller, it's probably also going to require less manufacturing, so cheaper. So, you know, just yeah. honing and the in omnidirectional, on things. Mm-hmm. Omnidirectional thing, you know, I think what we should do is come out with our own Meteor Station omnidirectional uh, home do-it-yourself kit. And you get this, you get this box, and it has like a couple of of those carpet squares and some PVC pipe and yeah. some some yarn, and then you make your own omnidirectional kit. Mm. I was thinking think? just like I was gonna get just a kiddie pool and fill it with like some sort of grease gel and just yeah yeah, just get a bunch of gel and just like maybe some bungee cords to keep them in and you just go that's it somehow you sense it and you're all set i think that's the dream i'm in did you have anything else no i'm done being negative let's be positive well good because i did have a positive i'm pretty excited about something called OpenXR because from a development standpoint it's kind of a pain in the butt to have to deal with a bunch of different headsets just you it's you'd think oh it's just vr but no it's you have to be cross-platform from the vibe to the riff to heck even the index of the vibes totally different controller setup and all that you just need a way to consolidate such that your game works in vr and so it's going to work across as much VR as possible. And hmm. that's the goal of OpenXR. So I really hope that this is the one that continues getting supported instead of jumping around from this to that and making it just so that it's so much easier for devs. And hey, if it's easier for devs, then that's better for the users at the end of the day because whether that's now it's going to be directly supported on your platform or it gets released earlier or with your bugs or whatever it is it's just better for everyone so i hope it works out and i hope it's good yeah shout out to open xr where i wonder who's behind that I, I need to find out but you gave me an idea that um more people should name their kids dev that's a great name well, you're, I almost said your naming rights are revoked, but there is Devin, so that's a name, and Dev okay. for short. But then yeah. you kind of pigeonhole them into either becoming a Dev or becoming, what's the opposite of a Dev? A, a demolition expert? Yeah. 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 I think it's Swish. All right. Dev. Well, so I guess there is one last fail. And it brings us into our next topic, which is festivals, because I have noticed that festivals are just not ready. So I guess it's fair because festivals really weren't ready for this pandemic in general, which, of course, not. They're used to being this in-person thing. But like some of the festivals I've seen have just like posted the videos on, on Google Sheets. There's just a link with a description and the name, and that's all they're doing. And again, I get it. It's COVID. People People have to figure out what they can reasonably put together to get through this year and then hopefully go back to normal next year now that there are vaccines and all that. But for VR, honestly, the solution the group at MySciFi had was probably the best one I've seen so far. And I mean, again, it was a good festival, not bashing on them. Everyone's struggling. But yeah, I think their solution was the best and it was not particularly good. Uh, it was they had this panel and they had one, they had the host look around in the VR episode. So it was just like on a flat medium and they would just navigate it and just stream it for everyone to watch. And that was the way they accomplished it. But I mean, even before the pandemic, so this really isn't just pandemic related. This is more systemic for VR. People just don't know how to show VR content well. There is a previous festival. Do you want to tell them about it? I'm sure you know which one I'm 
talking about. Yeah, and and we were in that one right as the pandemic was starting because there was all this buzz and people still were there, but they were like, I don't know if I should be here. And as a matter of fact, when I was driving to that festival, South by Southwest announced that they were shutting down and they were not going to have their festival last year in 2020. And so I went to that and it was it was kind of a, a bust for most people. For me, it was good because we got to see what they were doing well and what they weren't doing well. And most of it was not doing it well, but they didn't even have a very good, they had pretty much like a cardboard with a phone set up to show the VR videos. And so I broke out my equipment and said, well, why don't we use this? And and so that's what we did. But yeah, it was not a not a great festival, but I learned a lot at the same time. Yeah. And to be clear, this was one cardboard type set up with one phone. And you said the internet speeds couldn't even handle streaming any of the content either. So it would have just been right. a complete and utter dud. So... Yes. Yeah, uh, just generally and realistically, some of the bigger festivals, like you said, Southwest didn't go, so we didn't get to attend that one, which was unfortunate because uh, we didn't apply to that one with anything, I don't think. So regardless, we didn't have anything in it, but it's fun to just attend festivals. But it would have been cool to see what some of the big ones like them have been up to and what they do to show VR. Because I would think that if they're showing VR, they'd either have like some dome room that's really cool to show the whole thing to an audience or maybe just a set of headsets that are actually good or what. But I'd be curious. So regardless, smaller end festivals at the very least do not know how to deal with VR. And I mean, it yeah. is still a newer medium, but yeah, it's just, yep, go ahead. Just so some of the bigger ones like South by Southwest, they they had their festival this year already and they did a virtual reality kind of a setup or maybe they just call it virtual, but that allowed more people to attend. And when I say attend, I don't know that you could see the, the movies without paying, but they allowed you to come into their platform and chat with other people, other avatars, and kind of mingle. They they set up kind of a, a uh, mock uh, downtown Austin in VR. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, th I think that they're them and some of the other bigger festivals that are, they are doing, they're definitely doing way more VR. And I'm not sure how they're showing because we haven't gone there, but the, but I think they are probably attacking it in the right way. And then having the virtual reality lets more people get exposed to their show. And then, so I think it's going to eventually be people are going to go to the, the festival and then you're going to have other people that just attend from all over the world in a very limited way, which is probably a good combination. Yeah, I'm definitely about that because, yeah, like you said, opening it up to be worldwide in a way that obviously anyone can travel from wherever to your festival, but being able to log in from Australia after work and attend a festival in Florida for three hours, that's good. <laughs> that's <laughs> way yeah. more accessible. So anything that previously wouldn't have been something we could have realistically wanted to drop all that money to attend overseas or whatever. I mean, as much as I, I wouldn't exactly hate, oh, no, I have to go to Italy. Oh, woe is me. But... <laughs> Yeah, there but I do think that costs. there should be like a totally virtual film festival and we should do it. We should have the Meteor Station Film Festival. Yeah, uh, and I think we should absolutely talk about that in a second. I did see Sundance also had done a festival within VR and unfortunately we didn't get to attend that one this year, but it looks like they fully made it within VR. And there was another one, uh, Cyber Shorts uh, is doing one in all space. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious how that one ends up going. Going, but yeah, I, I did also see that Sundance had a VR category. So if it's a VR festival with a VR category, then presumably they showed VR content in VR, which I, the reason I mentioned that is I think that's the ideal situation. So now bringing it back to yeah. the festival that, I mean, like you said, we are kind of tempted to host a VR film festival because if you're in VR and you're showing VR content, you're going to actually get to look around and see the content in a good way. Mm -hmm. And it can still potentially be, well, ideally it would be still a sociable experience where there will be 
other people there walking around. And then I would think you'd want more like a small group. So if you're socializing with whoever and then say you and I are the group, we socialize with whoever and then we're like, okay, we want to watch this one of Barney defeats the more realistic looking dinosaurs. We pop in there and it's just us two. So that, you know, because you don't want random people in the theater talking, but if we're talking, then, you know, that's yeah. fair. Something and like I also that, don't know really that I want Barney there either, but that's okay. So maybe you're rooting for the more realistic looking dinosaurs to take out Barney. You're on that side. I think so. Okay, that's fair. I might yeah. be with you. Okay. Yeah, so I guess what else would the ideal virtual reality film festival in virtual reality look like? Uh, to me, I think the, the best would be based on the content. So if you could have content for short animation, long animation, short film, longer film, and uh, music videos, just if you had a good assortment of things and then people can come in choose you know which things they want to do you've got panels the whole thing but it's all in virtual reality and yep. yeah i mean it's just pretty pretty much based on the, the content if you have good content and a good platform that people can jump off into the the different things i think i think it'd be fantastic yeah for sure and yeah it is a little tricky i, I would hope and assume that if you're putting together a festival you're gonna get at least enough good submissions that you'll have things worth showing. Like I said, at this most recent festival I attended, I was very impressed with what other people were putting together. It's like high-end films, and I don't know what their budgets were, but very impressive. So presumably you would get that, and that would be ideal. And one of the things for me is this sociable aspect I mentioned earlier, because I feel like that would be a little bit trickier for me with the logistics of... So basically, you can't have 10,000 people all in one space, right? It's going to be super laggy. It's going to be like the auction houses in Okramar from 100 years ago when we played WoW. I feel like this is a safe place to drop nerdy references, but <laughs> uh, you, you can't have that. So you got to space it out and make it so that people are in their own areas. And so maybe you're on a planet with 100 people and you're in a group of three or whatever it is. Um, I think that'd be cool, but I just don't know how easy or difficult that would be to put together. And there's the logistics of if you're in a group, then you would, I would assume, want to see everything exactly in sync so that if you are commenting, you're not four seconds ahead of me like, oh, my God. And I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, my God. And oh, my geez, there's a werewolf here. <laughs> you know, it's it, right. Uh, you, so I know that that's um, an issue. And if I were to work on something like that, I actually do have ideas for it. For anyone that's not aware, I was previously in software development, so not totally unfamiliar with this kind of thing. But yeah, uh, but my big thing, though, is panels. So everything, if it's a film, you would just get to go look around and go see these different films. And that's cool. That feels very attainable to me. But for panels, you would probably want live experiences. And so I'm not sure exactly what that would look like. And if it were something like they're all in an area together talking, then if there are questions, you would have to, I guess, just have people try to move into a queue and get plopped in to wherever the panelists are when it's their turn. I think something like that would be the most feasible. But yeah, honestly, I have no idea how one would do that. So yeah, it doesn't scare me because as the non-technical person, I would just pull an Elon Musk and just say, okay, we want to be able to have millions of people and we want to be able to have people ask questions without other people interrupting. So go make that happen and come back to me in a week. <laughs> yeah, this uh, partnership is <laughs> something indeed. I'll, I'll report back in a week. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so get ready. that would be... Meteor um, Station, virtual reality film festival. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess worst case, I, it would be pretty much just... We could have the festival as just a bunch of films being shown and then 
as sociable aspects. So maybe I can't figure out how to get random people in a group. Um, but if you and I were at least able to jump in together, that'd be cool. And maybe panelists are separate and you can just watch and then ask your questions elsewhere somehow or something. I'm sure there are ways to iterate it, but it would be mm -hmm. really, really cool to get to put together a festival. So, Because I, I do feel yeah. like there aren't enough things like that for creators like us. And I guess in a way that's kind of one of the failings is there's just for VR content creators like us, I'm not talking about like game development because fortunately that is doing really well because um, games are awesome. But I, I really think that because, okay, if you can have Futurama in VR, that's my go-to example. Why would you not want that? You get to watch Bender do something ridiculous in the background while Fry and Leela are talking. It'd just be great. So it's so much better than, I mean, I shouldn't be bashing YouTube VR content because we make it. And I think our stuff's good, but this is why we're working on high-end stuff too because I feel like there's a place for it. But we yeah. have to make that place for it, I guess is my point, because it kind of sucks as is. <laughs> yeah, so you have to create something so that creators can make money on their creations. Yeah, all true. Well, what else? I feel like we're slowing down and moving toward the end of the podcast, but did you have any thoughts for other things for VR festivals? I guess while you're thinking on it, I did have one other thing, which is it would be really, really cool if somehow a virtual reality festival were able to show off things like hardware better. Because intuitively, a VR festival that included things like hardware would be so much better off in person, right? You'd get to put on the headset and see clearly like, oh, wow, this looks incredible. Oh, this eye tracking feature is really cool. Oh, this controller feels awesome and so intuitive or whatever. And so I think that would be kind of a big hurdle to be able to integrate hardware demonstration somehow in a way that's more hmm. meaningful in a fully virtual festival. <laughs> Did you ever see that TED talk where somebody was doing a virtual reality demonstration and they had everybody in the audience put on headsets? I did not. It's like yeah, the opposite, so, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a different way of going about it, but, but everybody got to experience VR and they did it as a group and then they pulled it off and this was quite a while ago. So things should be even better now. Interesting. Yeah, not what I'm referring to, but that is pretty cool. I, yeah, for the record, different. I've never seen a TED Talk. I've only uh, joked about things like ending sentences with thanks for coming to my TED Talk. But Yeah, well, TED Talks are typically when you are feeling like everything's, everything's pretty good right now. And then you watch a TED Talk and it's like, oh, wow, I have to worry about uh, how buses are ruining Peru. And then <laughs> they, you know, so they, they just always have something that's devastating the world. And not always, but that's a, that's a lot of TED Talks. Anyway. That's quite the sales pitch. I'll have to go binge that now so that I yeah, have an sorry, increased Ted. state of anxiety. That'll be great. Yeah, what else? Uh, any last thoughts? Any last words? No. Yeah, no, I think we we have some things we have to jump on for this month. We've we've got something cooking for the next podcast. It's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, just I think for for people that are watching to just leave us a comment and we can include any questions in the next podcast and tune in to Donuts or Else on his Twitch. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, I guess that does it. Thanks for tuning in and we'll let you go sit in a dark room and process our TED talk about the failings of VR and, uh, <laughs> and enjoy your increased anxiety state. Nice. Laters. Bye.